Welcome to the Michelle Mission, Two Men, One Podcast, every black film ever made. My name is Vincent Williams, and I'm joined as always by my partner. Hey, holler at your boy. This is Len, a.k.a. the Bat Tribble. And we close out the first month of 2024 with a film written and directed by Malcolm Lee, Mm -hmm. a star-studded affair with Michael Clark Duncan, Mike Epps, Monique, James Earl Jones, Margaret Avery, and headlined, headlined by one Martin Lawrence. We will spend tonight talking about Welcome Home, Roscoe Jenkins mm-hmm. from 2008. But before we get into all of that, Lynn, how you doing? I am doing truly wonderful. Vincent, how about yourself? Also well. Good to hear. Good to hear. And it stands to reason that we will be feeling this way, ladies and gentlemen, because we are coming off of a sold out, sold out appearance at the lounge at World Cafe Live this past Saturday. Yes, where sir. We screened the movie Love Jones to a a a a room packed full of family and missionaries. It was such a great time. Dylan was in the building. Dylan was in the building. He was in the building and it was really, really a a fun time. And shout out to all of you that made it out to World Cafe Live and and made it a very special event. And all of you who wanted to be there and couldn't make it. We, we, we were thinking you were in our thoughts and certainly in the spirit in the room. It was a great time. Oh yeah. It it was a fantastic time. I, I I think I was I was a little surprised, but not that surprised. Before we started, we asked the crowd how many people have never seen Love Jones on the big screen, mm-hmm. and a fair number of hands went up. And it really is a different experience, yeah, on a big screen. So so that was fantastic, and I love how communal it was. I was going to like, say it's a, it, it's also just a totally different communal experience. Yes, yeah. you know, one just watching it on the big screen, but two in the lounge of World Cafe Live because people are in there. You're drinking, you're eating dinner, mm-hmm. you're you're conversing with one another, everybody, and you're not because it is such a beloved film. Even if you've never seen it, you're already coming in there with good intentions. Like you, you're coming like right. expecting you're going to like this. Right. Right. And know? the thing about a well-made film is, is the director and writer Theodore Witcher mm-hmm. had beats. Yes. That hit a certain way. Mm-hmm. And it's always fantastic to be part of a group when those beats hit. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. Funny beats, dramatic beats, mm-hmm. you, you know. And, and you could feel it in the room. Romantic beat, yeah. How everybody is like, oh, right, right. there with you. Yeah, you know yeah. what I'm saying? And that's what makes a film, you know, any great film, which I believe Love Jones qualifies oh, as. Absolutely, Something that is universal and transcends time. Sure, you know? sure. And it's a real argument for a theater experience. Mm-hmm. You, you know, I, I think there's so much conversation in in the business and 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 in in the culture about the viability of theaters. Cause you yes. know, we all stream and 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 we all have pretty sophisticated home video mm-hmm. systems and and you know, back to people haven't seen it on the big screen. Frankly, I think there is at least one generation that has gotten used to 
watching films and watching media on their computers, on their tablets, yeah, hell, yeah. on their phones. I'm about to say on their phones. That that it really is always not, you know, for people like us who love theaters and love the movies to to be involved in some, in, you know, in, in an event mm-hmm. that again, this is an argument for the theater experience. Most definitely. Most so, definitely. so I know the one thing that, that you and I have talked about and certainly we'll talk about uh, uh, an event we're having now that this one has passed is that in 2024, we are actually doing a fair number of of screenings. of screening. So, so if you weren't able to join us for this, you will have more opportunities. So it's 2024, Lynn, and the mission just keeps rolling. That's right, Vincent. And this year we kick off a brand new film screening series with the beautiful Bryn Mawr Film Institute in Bryn Mawr, PA. But we're not doing it on our own. That's right. Hey, Stephanie. Hey. The Be Real Black Cinema Club is teaming up with Michelle Mission to present the Be Real Michelle screening series where you... Yeah, you... ...can select the first film in our series happening March 20th in honor of Women's History Month. In this corner, we have the love-soaked adaptation of Terry McMillan's best-selling novel from 1998... How Stella got her groove back. I know, that's right. (laughs) And in this corner, we have a coming-of-age drama from 2011, considered one of the best films of the 21st century from writer-director D. Rez. It's Pariah. I also know that that is right. Check out The Michelle Mission and the Be Real Black Cinema Club on Instagram, Facebook, and... The social platform formerly known as... Twitter to choose between a certified movie classic and an independent cinema tour de force. Make your selection for the inaugural movie in the Be Real Michaud screening series at the Bryn Mawr Film Institute. And we'll see you when it's time to meet again. Whoa, 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 whoa. That's, that's Vincent's line. Oh, my bad. And we'll see you when it's time to meet again. is going on, Lynn? We have emails, Vincent. Ooh, missives from the missionaries. Turning to the emails. Turning to the email. We have an email from Monique Younger. Hey, what's up, Monique? Talking up a blue streak. Okay. Hey, guys, I'm a big fan of the show. I've been listening for two, maybe three years now. Excellent. Thank I'm you. always sharing episodes with my friends and talking about your takes on movies, so it pains me oh. that the first time I'm emailing you all is for something that I just did not like. Oh, no. What did we do, Monique? She goes on to tell us. Okay. I was listening to y'all talking about the Emmys while driving into Atlanta, navigating the morning traffic. Oh, that's right. Now, as you know, due to the strikes, the Emmys were delayed. Henceforth, when Ayo Edebiri won, it was for her performance in season one. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm an Academy member. I voted. I know. Oh, 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 oh. excuse me, Monique. Excuse me. Hey, girl. (laughs) Do your thing. And... I agreed. The bear is not a laugh a minute romp fest, 
but it is a half hour format dark comedy. Okay. My problem, however. Okay. Is that you went on to describe events that happened in season two. Yes. Which I am currently in the middle of watching. Uh, A spoiler alert would have been nice of you. I mean, this is not like a movie that aired 40 years ago. This is a series that's still on streaming and that maybe life prevented me from seeing all the time with that it was released. But it hasn't been on Hulu that long. I was driving and listening. And then when you got to Carmi's breakdown in the freezer and I was like, what, 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 what? And then the next thing I knew, Marcus missed the call about his mother. I couldn't get to the phone fast enough to turn the show off. But if I did, I might have thrown it out the window. Oh, my God. I hope the next time that I write in, it will be because of something I love, because I do love the show. But that really, really hurt my heart. Spoiled in Atlanta, Monique Younger. Yeah, that's 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 my fault. That was me. I'm sorry, Monique. Like, like all jokes, I, I, I am. I apologize because she's right. Mm-hmm. The bear has not been on that. Like, like it's one thing we spoil, you, you know, Star Wars from 1977 right. Right. or, you know, something. But but that's right. I'm sorry, Monique. I don't even have anything. No, 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 no. You're pointing. But like on the podcast, they can't see you point. Uh-huh. Let me say out loud. That was Vince. Yes. Yeah, that was my fault. I take that and I apologize and I will try to do better next. And and please hopefully, hopefully we can recover from this Monique. Next email. Okay. From Monique younger. Oh, okay. I found my tribe. Okay. Hey guys, it's Monique again. I'm back. Not salty anymore. Oh, I'm glad. I just have to say that was a that was a that was a real tough I know. eight seconds because I was I was <laughs> you know that was going to bother me you know, know that was going to bo- if, if we didn't have this follow up email you at know, the end of this show you know that was going to bother me <laughs> yeah I feel bad damn I feel bad you know. Oh. See, I get to run in my mouth. You'd have took 10 degrees on Dervell Martin. You'd have I been know. Jack for I the rest know. of the show. All right. Woo. It's kind of like when you show, speaking of Star Wars, you show kids um, Empire Strikes Back now. And then at the end, s- s- spoiler for people who've been under a rock for 40 years. When Darth Vader tells Luke, I'm your father, like mm-hmm. I'm Anakin Skywalker. And like, have you ever seen those videos on YouTube where people show their kids? Oh, yeah. And yeah. and they you see their kids reacting in real time. But then immediately you put on Return of the Jedi right. so that they don't really like they don't know what it was like. For you had us. to wait for years. Well, they didn't know until the uh, cliffhanger. And I'll just say the cliffhanger because people maybe haven't seen it. The cliffhanger of across the Spidey verse. Oh, that's right. That's right. And I've been, I've said to like four or five different millennials. Now, you know how we felt. Yep. Yep. And I remember I've mentioned it on the show. I was in a, a theater of millennials watching it. And it was the second time I had seen it. So mm-hmm. I knew, and I just like, you just kind of like sit and just wait for the reaction. And you heard everybody like, what? No, no, no. We have to wait two years. (laughs) (laughs) But I'm glad it wasn't that. But please continue with Monique, who's back with her tribe. He's back with her tribe. All right. I just have to say, y'all are my folk. 
Upon upon reaching the end of the Blue Streak episode, when Vincent said he never liked Martin, I could not agree more. That wasn't you. No, that was me. Was it you? Yeah, because remember, I I, I don't even like like the first season. I mess with Martin Lawrence in the buddy movies, Love Mm -hmm. Bad Boys, and the ensemble movies, Life, Death of the Funeral, Roscoe Jenkins. Mm -hmm. But I draw the line at the TV show. I couldn't hate Shanae more. Mm. I probably only liked Tommy, Gina, and Brother Man from the fourth floor. They had some decent guest stars, David Allen Greer, Garrett Morris, etc. And this coming from somebody who was present during the tape taping of Run Tell That. I enjoyed his stand-up back in the day, but the mugging for the camera just tends to be way too far over the top for me. Thanks for watching some of these stinkers so we don't have to. Monique. Well, thank you, Monique. And you have indeed found your people. Yes, we are here for yes. you. All right. Continuing on. Okay. We rifle through the emails and make people happy. And we are knocking them out. Make me happy. That's true. You nice talking to the people. You do like talking to I the people. I do. You think? I do. Mm-hmm. With that. What we got? <laughs> All right. We have an email from... Here we go. This one is from, wow, where did they all go? Oh, Michael Lockett. What's up, Michael? Back at you with Eddie and Martin. Okay. Mike Lockett is back at you. I was racking my head on how to catch up, on how to catch up, came to the mini light bulb moment. I don't have to. I don't have to listen in order. The podcast does have a story arc. Your styles have grown and changed, but I don't need to experience them in order. So now I'm listening to the current while creeping from the past simultaneously, which brings me to my first twofer. Okay. 48 hours. Okay. I could not agree more that this is not a buddy cop movie, but rather a reluctant friendship movie. I see it more as a better version of the idea behind the defiant ones. Mm. Also knowing that this was Eddie's first movie is mind blowing. Many people have recently seemed to downplay his presence and career based on the hiatus and some bad projects such as Candy Cane Lane, but the dude was a talent monster. Comedy, acting, and looks were the man for a period. Blue Street. First off, I love that the planets aligned and I listened to an Eddie film and followed it with a Martin Lawrence film. Hmm. Maybe it's me, but there are so many things that Martin Lawrence and frankly other black comics post the age of Eddie uh, do that all I see come from Eddie Murphy in with their acting. I agree that this film is one of the best Martin Lawrence outings, but it has a low, low, low filmography bar. The few bright spots happen in spite of the script directing and uh, casting as a whole. Quick question. Do you think this film is what basically made the industry regular Martin to uh, relegate Martin to TV and the bad boy franchise. All the best, Mike. Hmm. Mm. Mm. I get this sense. Well, Blue Streak. Because that's, what, what's that? 19... Blue Streak. 99? Yeah, it comes after. Because it's after It's the after show. the show. Yeah. 
Remember, Martin had a series and after of, Bad Boys. Of, of public challenges. He did. You know, he had a health scare and, and everything. You know, I always got the sense that Martin Lawrence took a step back himself to a certain degree. To, to kind of like yeah. reset a little yeah, bit. Yeah, kind of reset. Yeah. Or at least I hoped he did. Like I always hope. That's he, the hope. Like you, to be clear, I'm not a fan of Martin, the television show, mm-hmm. nor am I necessarily a fan of most Martin Lawrence films. Mm-hmm. But I am a fan of Martin Lawrence. Mm-hmm. Like I like the man. Mm-hmm. So I always kind of hoped that would like like the past 10, 15 years, he decided to take a step back. You know, I was thinking about this because he did ha- like, uh, you know, like I think he had a, you know, just getting ready for tonight. Right. Remember, he had like a heat stroke and yeah. And then, you know, he had the that kind of really public breakdown. And mm-hmm. so, you know, I was hoping the brother just sort of went and sat down. I mean, he probably I, so, I actually think he did. Yeah. Because he kind of like retreated a little bit. Yeah. We got an email from Calvin Austin. The second. What's up, Cal? Hey, what's up, Calvin? Um, Saw you on Saturday. Yeah. Hey, Len and Vince, as I was binge listening to the show, trying to get caught up, this particular binge session ranged from episodes in the late October to early December. Mm-hmm. There are a few things I wanted to comment on. I thoroughly enjoyed the Deliver Us from Eva episode. Yeah. Len, I agree with Vince and Lavetta. It's time to let the last dragon hate go. <laughs> it's so ugly. Calvin continues. I also enjoyed your review of O. I remember Mm. being fascinated by the concept when it was being released, but had forgotten about it being done. So in the con being done um, in the context of Columbine. Yeah. Yeah. I like you was caught a bit off guard by how quickly and drastically it turned. My binge session also prompted two questions. First, in light of Vincent's opinion about needing more from Kevin Hart. Yes. I was wondering what you thought of his performance in his recent movie, Lift, on Netflix. I haven't seen it yet. Yeah, you probably yeah. haven't seen it. Secondly, the question about deleting movies from certain stars' filmographies, Vincent's willingness to chuck the golden child on the trash heap notwithstanding, led to a discussion around this question. Is there a black film that is universally panned by our community. My contention is that every black film has that one pocket of folks that cape for it. I love the show as always and look forward to your responses. Calvin, P.S. Is there a difference between a film and a movie or are they interchangeable? They're interchangeable. I've yet to meet anyone who champions Soul Plane. Yeah, see... Like, you know, Calvin actually asked me this, like, uh, individually one day when we was hanging out. Mm -hmm. And I said Soul Plane. Yeah. But he said he knows at least a couple of people who absolutely love that film. Okay. I've never met him. I've never, and I've never. I've never met him. I've never read anything about anyone sort of reclaiming Soul Plane, but Soul Plane would be my pick. Yeah, I think that's my go-to. Yeah. Yeah, that's our go-to. Right. And uh, the people that you know that that like it, tell them to see us. Right. All right. That crack kills. <laughs> okay. 
Okay. You know, tell him that. Uh, we got another email, Vincent. This is from Courtney. Hey, what's up, Courtney? Hello, Len and Vincent. This week, I got the chance to see American Fiction starring Jeffrey Wright. Oh, that's a good time. Since the movie's release, there has been a discourse on how American Fiction took from its predecessor, Hollywood Shuffle by Robert Townsend and Bamboozled by Spike Lee. Mm-hmm. I do have a question for the both of you to discuss. Do you think Hollywood Shuffle by Robert Townsend stands toe-to-toe with Bamboozled by Spike Lee in terms of legacy and impact? The movie Hollywood Shuffle has been taught in film school about the white gaze in Hollywood as um, as a black actor. Bamboozled has stood the test of time as well, and people will always give Spike Lee his credit. We'd love to hear your thoughts. What do you think? I think. I think Hollywood Shuffle is deemed the more influential, more important uh, moment in time. It's not that Bamboozled doesn't have his fans. Mm -hmm. It's not that Bamboozled doesn't um, play in the same playground Mm -hmm. as Hollywood Shuffle. I just think because of. With all due respect to Robert Townsend, Mm -hmm. because Spike Lee's filmography is so stacked, like you always talk about, like those first five movies, like the the golden, you know, the the golden era of Spike Lee, Mm -hmm. because it is so stacked, bamboozled, and because bamboozled does have like a different look to it Mm -hmm. as opposed to all his other films. It gets lessened just because it's not in that first group, you know, and thus it is not as considered. I agree with you and I'll I'll go even further. I think Spike Lee is a better director than Robert Townsend. Mm -hmm. And I think on a technical level, Bamboozle is a better directed film. Yes. Than Hollywood Shuffle. And arguably a better acted film. Yes. Yeah. But I think Hollywood Shuffle is a better film than Bamboozle. Well, then what do you mean by that then? I think as a whole experience mm-hmm. with a beginning, a middle and an end, mm-hmm. I think Robert Townsend's control of tone. Yeah. Throughout the film where where I think the way he oscillates between. Farce and satire Mm -hmm. is frankly stronger than bamboozled, like I think one of the. I think in a lot of ways, satire. Needs. A subtle hand, it does, yes. Spike Lee has never been subtle. And I think the satire in Bamboozled is so overwhelming Mm -hmm. that it gets to the point where it's not even satire anymore. Like, like I like quite honestly, I think I, I think once you get past that initial moment. When Savion Glover and Tommy Davidson put on blackface, mm-hmm. it's not even satire anymore. Yeah. yeah. It's just commentary. Mm-hmm. And and it's very strong and it's very well done. 
But because Michael Rappaport and Damon Wayans are still in a satire, tonally it, 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 doesn't, it, it, it doesn't marry. Yeah. Right. It, it it doesn't really marry. So that as someone who loves both films, I always go back to Hollywood Shuffle. And again, and I, I think the satire is so sharp. Mm-hmm. In Hollywood Shuffle, which which when you think about the fact that so much of it is in vignettes, like you think about black acting school, yeah. you think about the homeboys, um, Shop. The, the the homeboys movie review, movie review right? Yeah, you, right. you think about that, um, you know, speaking of Eddie Murphy, that amazing moment where where where. Bobby's character talks about everyone is looking for an Eddie Murphy type. And you have that wonderful kind of, 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 of pan shot pan where everyone is sitting there doing an Eddie Murphy impersonation. Yeah. I just, yeah, I'm, I'm always going to champion Hollywood shuffle. Yeah. I say at least once every three, four months when some black person does some ignorant sambo <laughs> shit and you can tell they just you know shuffling for in 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 bojangling for the dollar I, I say immediately there's work at the post office like you don't have to do this there's work at the post office got an email from nicole hey, what's up nicole hi len and vince i recently listened to your losing ground review and came across the part where you guys read from an article which black movies should be added to the criterion collection mm-hmm. i agree with vincent about just another girl from the irt a yeah. film that deserves more praise but here are my suggestions and you can converse about it so nicole's suggestions for the criterion collection would be okay juice yeah, yeah. Boomerang. Yeah. Waiting to exhale. Yeah. Definitely the five heartbeats. Yeah. Baps. Black dynamite. <laughs> if Beale Street could talk. Oh my goodness. And even though I have qualms about the movie, Spike Lee's directorial debut, she's gotta have it. That's not a bad list. Not a bad list, but the one that does make you like, hmm, is Baps. Is Baps? Yeah. Yeah, you know. I think with the right package. Well, any film with the right package, probably not any film, but a whole lot of films with the right packaging could make it. Yeah, but let's be clear. If you ask me, half of the films in the Criterion Collection are there because of the package. Well, like you get three dudes with PhDs but aren't, who but, talk about. But wait a minute, aren't they selected for the Criterion Collection and then the package is put together? They're not put together well, first. I mean, I, look, I don't know how they pick them. I'll say this off the top of my head. I can think of five movies that have Criterion Collection editions that BAPS is better than. I'm not going to say them out loud, but just again, like immediately I can think of five films that have Criterion Collection editions that BAPS is better than. I just want to say what they are. I mean, because I'm not, you know, I'm not trying to. Okay. But, but, you know, I think I would, I would love to hear Robert Townsend and, and Halle Berry talk about BAPS. 
like sit at a table and talk about apps. Mm. I mean, it's it's a little on the nose, but I would love to hear some black actresses talk about the representation in BAPS. Don't get me wrong. I, I could definitely see you have to package it. I, I could. Yes. But 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 you know, you'd have to sell it. Yeah. But again, I, I love BAPS. I don't know if I put in the, in yeah, the, but, in but, the criterion. Collection. But, but again, I think this is more of a reflection of how I feel about these film packages in general though like i said it's like half of these movies they have to, they gotta have a package mm. so uh, i mean arguably that's sort of at the base of a lot of of these films whether we're talking about on tcm whether we're talking about the criterion channel whether we're talking about on on, on with the criterion channel where you have people who sponsor these films and say, this is a film that I think people should watch. Is that not true? Mm -hmm. You know, this is a film that I think people should watch. I'm going to make the case for the film. And now here it is. So how's that any different than what we're saying for BAPS? No, I mean, there isn't. It's just, I just don't know if I would just put BAPS there. I would, if, if I heard that BAPS was, Go into the Criterion Collection. I would not. I I would say, good on them. Mm-hmm. But I don't know if I would select it. Um, you know, we just we we screened a a film that's in the Criterion Collection. Love mm-hmm. Jones this past weekend. You know, I have a a huge soft spot for Pariah. I believe that it's Criterion oh Collection goodness. worthy. Yeah, yeah. Um, and. I'll say Spider-Man uh, into the Spider-Verse. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. I could see them both in the Criterion Collection. Look, man. And they would be hella packages. If they stick the landing on this third Spider-Verse, this, this, they're going to be, they're, they're going to be packaging this thing for the next hundred years. No. So. Got an email from Ellis Heron. What's up, Ellis? Hey, fellas, I have to admit, I didn't expect your reviews of these Eddie Murphy films to pique my interest. I remember checking out Bowfinger as a screener when it first got to video. Um, I just looked at it as an excuse for two comedy legends to get together and cash a check. Mm -hmm. So I didn't give the movie a fair chance. But thanks to your review, I believe it deserves a second look. Well, good. Also, you now got me curious about Meet Dave. Dude, I'm telling you. You're right that the cool thing to do was to trash the movie, mm-hmm. but I need to see the movie before I do so. Mm-hmm. From what you said about it, I need to go into that movie with an open mind. Lastly, congrats on being ranked 158 out of over 100,000 TV and film podcasts. You two definitely deserve it with all the hard work and passion that you put into this. Your friend, Alice Heron from Fort Worth. P.S. Do you know, did you know about Angela Bassett's honorary Oscar win? It was amazing and well-deserved. Even though her acceptance speech was 15 minutes, it was nothing short of powerful. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm happy for her, though. Though, you know. It shouldn't be honorary. No, it should not. But, but always happy for Angela Bassett. And our last email. Thank you, Alice. From Michael Lockett again. Hey, Michael. 
How do you like that nouveau Abbott and Costello title that he has come up with? Blackula meets Dave. <laughs> the mission entries in 2024 have been great and diverse. As I play in the multiverses of the present and 2018, I keep getting reminded of the richness of black cinema. We mm-hmm. always can make a way out of no way. Oh, that's right. Listening first to the episode of Blackula and mm. then meet Dave. <laughs> I couldn't help but notice how both William Marshall and Eddie Murphy's physical presence and performance were what both films from start to finish hung their hats on. I love, I love him bouncing around. <laughs> Marshall has gravitas and style as well as a healthy dose of, I'm a big bleeping brother, so don't bleep with me. Presence every time he enters a scene. Eddie Murphy seems to return to his palatable magnetism from early projects and SNL. More physical nuances, etc. that hold the film together. I think the production value on both was lacking, at least in the case of Meet Dave. I am not sold that it is a black film. Could the project be done by replacing Eddie Murphy with, say, Will Farrell, for instance, or Kamal uh, uh, Nanjani? I think it could. Keep marching, Michael. Well, uh, to be fair, yeah, you could easily put Will Farrell in the Eddie Murphy role. And then it wouldn't be a black film. No. But Eddie Murphy's in it. So, right. And it's the lead. Yeah. It's a black film. Yeah. Yeah. And as we've talked about. And his love interest is black. Right. And and we've talked about with people like Eddie Murphy or Denzel Washington or Will Smith. Mm-hmm. Like, like there, there are some black actors that have reached such a height that they're iconic. So that there's a different, you know, I think a better um, parallel would be one that we made on the episode. Like, I would love to be in the parallel universe where, where, but we, we compared them to this with Bowfinger. But like, Tom Cruise probably would have been interesting in this role. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Tom Cruise, yeah. I feel like there's a great comedy that Tom Cruise has not made. He is in a considered relatively great comedy. What are you doing? Tropic Thunder? No. What? Risky Business. Yeah. But is he funny? In, I wouldn't say he's funny in Risky Business. I mean, but business. he's not not funny. Yeah, he's is. also really young. Okay. Well, he can't help his age. But yeah, it, yeah. Considering, yeah. The, considering his youth mm-hmm. um, and the age of that film. It's a film that, for the most part, does still hold up. I watched it again maybe a few years ago. Yeah. So, and, and he's funny enough. Yeah, he's just so, so, so oh, kind of kinetic. And, like, I feel like there's a screwball comedy floating out there. See, I don't see, well, I guess maybe. I, I don't know. He seems very tied into his image. Yeah. Because, like, well, even when you bring up Tropic Thunder. I know. You know, he's hiding under a, a, a ton of prosthetics. Yeah. And yet his image is still, yeah. you know, it's over the top. It's and it's very, you know, uh, screwball comedy. You got to be a little bit more self-deprecating. I know. And I, that don't, that. I know. I don't think that's in and, the and Tom Cruise wheelhouse. Yeah. And, and to be fair, it ain't got to be. Look. Because whatever he's doing is working. Is working. Yes. All right. So, But thank you, Michael. 
And thank you all of you for yeah. those emails, uh, ladies and gentlemen. Absolutely. We don't go through all of them, so we've got more, but we yeah, try to enjoy the feedback. If you want to let us know what is on your mind, ladies and gentlemen, and see if your email makes the cut to be read here aloud and answered on the Michelle Mission, email us at Mission at gmail.com. That's M-I-C-H-E-A-U-X-M-I-S-S-I-O-N. All right. All right. All right. Now, let's move on to the top five. Top five. Top five. Who's your top five? Top five, ladies and gentlemen, where I give Vincent a list and he gives us his thoughts about it. Tonight's top five, keeping in theme Mm -hmm. as we are reviewing Welcome Home, Roscoe Jenkins. Okay. This is the top five Roscoe's. People, places, things, or are these all people? It's got five Roscoe's. Five Roscoe's. Five Roscoe's. All right. Five Roscoe's. Who's Roscoe number five? Roscoe number five is Roscoe Conklin born. Okay. I have no idea who that is. He was born in 1950, passed away fairly recently, March 3rd of 2020. Okay. Rest in peace. I guess. Roscoe Conklin is terrible. Born was in, in fact a songwriter. Okay. And an American actor. Okay. Who is best known. Mm-hmm. For the role of the arch villain Mitch Lawrence mm-hmm. that he played from 1985 to 2012 on One Life to Live. Okay. Roscoe Conklin Bourne. Well, his name was indeed Roscoe. He was a white man. Okay. Which is unheard of for me. A white man named Roscoe. I did not ever know of a white man named Roscoe. I don't know if a white man has been named Roscoe fairly recently. Well, we know that one was named Roscoe back in 1950. Well, it was Roscoe Conklin Bourne. Okay. All right. Number four. Number four. Hey, I thought the voice was just for five. I thought now that we were on four. Still still the voice? You going to commit to that? The fourth Conklin. All right. We're going to commit to the voice. The fourth Roscoe. Okay, and that is? Roscoe Robinson Jr. Roscoe Robinson Jr. Oh, that's Jr. a brother. That sounds pretty black. <laughs> that's a brother. People probably didn't, didn't answer when he applied for jobs. Mm-hmm. Threw his resume in the trash. Roscoe, Ro- well, hold your, th- hold your tongue on that okay. one. Roscoe Robinson Jr., who dearly departed in 1993. Okay. Was, in fact, the first African-American to become a four-star general in the United States Army. Okay. He served as the United States representative to NATO. He previously served as commanding general of the 82nd Airborne Division and then of the United States Army in Japan. After graduating from West Point, he would serve in the Korean War in 1952 as a platoon leader Mm. and the rifle company commander where he received the Bronze Star he was then sent back to the United States where he became an instructor at the airport airborne department. In 
67, he served as commander of the 2nd Battalion, 7th Cavalry, 1st Cavalry Division in Vietnam, where he received the Legion of Merit, the Distinguished Flying Cross, 11 Air Medals, and 2 Silver Stars. All right. Now, he was black. Roscoe Robinson Jr. was black. Okay. All right. All right. All right. And he was the 4th Roscoe. Fourth Roscoe. All right. We are now at the third. The third Roscoe. The third Roscoe. You, is this a new voice? This Roscoe you may have heard of. It's okay. I only know one, so hopefully this is the one I know. Oh, this is in fact, this is not the one you know. Okay, what Roscoe is this? This would be Roscoe Mitchell. He was okay. born in 1940. All right. And it is an accomplished American composer and jazz instrumentalist of the saxophone, as well as an educator, being known for a, and I quote, a technically superb, if idiosyncratic, saxophonist. Wait, is this Blue Mitchell? This would be Blue Mitchell. Oh, I didn't know Whose Blue first Mitchell name is, is Roscoe. Roscoe. I did not know that. You did not know his first I name knew was him Roscoe. As Blue Mitchell. Well, his mama called him Roscoe. I've learned something new this evening. Critic John Paralese of the New York Times has mentioned that Mitchell qualifies as an iconoclast. Okay, because? Does not say. But he qualifies. Yeah, Blue Mitchell. What's my Blue Mitchell album? Because this is a joint I go to by Blue Mitchell. He's a bad man. What's my Blue Mitchell? What is your Blue Mitchell? Mitchell. What is on your playlist? Pretty sure. Is it Down With It? Yeah, Down With It. Down With It is a good album. Down With It from... um. Here is 1965. Mm. It's on Blue Note. Who else is on that? I feel like it's some other people. Yeah, Chick Corea's on piano. Mm-hmm. Al Foster's on drums. Yeah, that's a good album. Well, this means that Vincent. I know two Roscoe's. You know two Roscoe's. I, I look, I, I learned at this exact second that his first name. Okay, now Abon says his name is Richard Allen Blue Mitchell. What year does it say he was born? 1930? That would not be Roscoe Mitchell. Okay. Well, well, are you sure this is Blue Mitchell? It This says Roscoe Mitchell. Not Blue Mitchell. Why did you say it was Blue Mitchell? Oh, it was Blue Mitchell. Oh, for Christ's sake. All right, it's go not ahead. Blue Mitchell. All right, well, I don't, I, I'm back to I don't know this Roscoe then. All right. You don't know this Roscoe. I don't know this Roscoe. Who's next? But this this Roscoe. This is a Roscoe he I was, know. He was black. Okay. The second Roscoe. Second Roscoe. Also, not famously known as Roscoe. Okay, who is this? This would be Roscoe Conkling Arbuckle. Or better known as Fatty Arbuckle. Oh, Fatty Arbuckle. Fatty Arbuckle, who was born in 1887. Keep them young girls away from him. Died in 1933. Mm-hmm. He was at one time the most popular 
silent movie star yeah, of the oh, early yeah. 1900s oh, and yeah. one of the highest paid actors in Hollywood signing a contract in 1920 with Paramount Pictures mm-hmm. for $1 million a year, yeah. which is equivalent to $14.6 million in 2022. Yeah, but and what happened with him? Unfortunately. <laughs> yeah. Tragedy struck on yeah. Labor Day of September 5th, 1921. Yes, it did. With the arrest and the trial of Roscoe Arbuckle on manslaughter charges. That's right. Roscoe and his friends Lowell Sherman and Fred Fishback drove to San Francisco where they checked into the St. Francis Hotel to throw a party, which was crashed by a starlet named Virginia Rapp. Who was how old? Well, there's there's actually like some oh shit you know you, you know Lynn's serious now you know Lynn's in his bag he came did y'all hear that did y'all see how Lynn came out his funny voice it wasn't <laughs> Lynn said we're talking old timey movie stuff I gotta be Lynn for this <laughs> I'm glad everybody heard it in real time oh yeah Lynn gets real and, and uh, oh yeah old timey movie stuff Go ahead, Lynn. Educate us. There's pushback on whether or not she was in fact underage. Okay. Okay. Because? Well, just because like they don't know the ID. Let me continue reading the story. (laughs) Virginia Rapp crashed the party, then fell seriously ill and died three days later from a ruptured bladder. Uh Uh-huh. Um, she she had accused Friday, Fatty Arbuckle of raping her prior to passing away, but she had a history of accusing men of rape. Mm-hmm. The newspapers, led by w- William Randolph Hearst, mm-hmm. used this incident to generate Hollywood's first major scandal. I was just about to ask you that. Yeah, Ross, uh, Fatty Arbuckle was tried not once, not twice, but Three times for the same criminal charges. Mm-hmm. The trials began in November of 1921, lasted until April of 1922. The first two ended with hung juries. Um, a mistrial decision in the second was reached on February 22, the day after Arbuckle's friend and fellow Paramount director William Desmond Taylor was found murdered and Arnold was visually affected by the news. At his third and final trial, the jury not only returned a not guilty verdict, but excoriated the prosecution for pursuing a flimsy case with no evidence of Arbuckle having committed any crime. It was at this final trial that the jury went further, writing a personal letter of sympathy and apology to Arbuckle for putting him through this ordeal. However, by then, his career Mm -hmm. was done. Yeah. Yeah. And this did nothing to resuscitate his career. Yeah. And though he kept their letters uh, as treasured memento, mementos for the rest of his life, his career never resuscitated. Yeah. At all. Yeah. First Hollywood scandal. Yeah. Yeah. And it's a big one. They've tried different times to like do a movie about it. Mm-hmm. And the one movie that most people remember, um, 
stars James Coco as Fatty Arbuckle. It, it's not good. Oh, I'm thinking about Xanadu with Olivia Newton-John. I'm sorry. I'm thinking about something completely you, different. Something completely different. Xanadu with Olivia Newton-John. <laughs> totally different. Number one. Number one. This is the Roscoe that Vincent knows. Hey, it's only one Roscoe quiet as a skeptic. Born in 1922. Mm-hmm. Passed away 2007. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Roscoe Lee Brown. The great Roscoe Lee Brown. American actor and director who resisted playing stereotypical black roles, instead mm-hmm. performing in several productions with the New York City Shakespeare Festival Theater. Um, Leland, Sat- Leland Hayward's satirical NBA series NBC series that was the week that was and a poetry performance tour of the United States in addition to his work in television and film uh, in 1976 he was nominated for an Emmy Award for best supporting best outstanding single performance by a supporting actor in a comedy or drama series for his work on ABC's Barney Miller mm-hmm. and I remember that episode because he plays a like like a, a super thief who gets locked up mm-hmm. and just befriends everybody in there and then escapes at the end. Excellent episode. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, 1986, he won the Emmy Award for Outstanding Guest Performer in a Comedy Series for his work on The Cosby Show. Yeah. In 1992, yeah, yeah. he received a Tony Award nomination for Best Featured Actor in a Play for his performance as Holloway in August Wilson's Two Trains Running. And in 1975, he received a Daytime Emmy nomination for Outstanding Performer in an Animated Program for his performance as the Kingpin in Spider-Man. I didn't even know he voiced Kingpin in Spider-Man. He was inducted into the Black Filmmakers Hall of Fame in 1977 and posthumously inducted into the American Theater Hall of Fame in 2008. His notable films, Uptight. From 1968. Yeah, he's very good and uptight. Fantastic film. Um, Come on, you know you got The Liberation of L.B. Jones. Yeah, no, yeah, yeah, solid, solid. We we, we enjoyed that a bit, I think. Yes, we did. Come on, come on, bring it. And, of course, from 1974. There it is. Congressman Lincoln. There it is. In Uptown Saturday Night. Brothers. Brothers. My people, my people. That's right, because he was married to Leggy Peggy. Mm-hmm. Come to find out, he was the one that told her <laughs> about Madame Zenobius. Because she said they was going to these parties and political, and she said, Look, I won't be around my people. Mm-hmm. Come to find out, he a charter member. <laughs> Then Leggy Peggy was sitting up on the desk and 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 Paula Kelly, mm. Paula Kelly threw that leg up mm. on the desk and all that thigh was out and mm. threw that leg up. Mm. And then and then Roscoe Lee Brown reached his arm over and put and, and put her leg down. Because <laughs> Sidney Portier and Bill Cosby like, were, were looking and, and it's such a beautiful, understated comedic moment. It is. It is. Yeah, Roscoe Lee Brown, man. In one of our favorite movies. Absolutely. All time. Of all time. The very first movie that we reviewed. The very first movie we reviewed. Uptown Saturday Night. Mm, Roscoe Lee Brown. Roscoe Lee Brown. 
Never can get enough of him. No, no, no. Also in a great episode of Sanford and Son. He plays one of Donna's um, patients. That, but, that, but he's very healthy. He's very healthy. Yeah. Yes. And then he, he does because he, he, um, he does a bunch in, of push ups. Gets into the contest with Fred. Yeah, yeah, and and he, they lifting up the chair. Yeah, I was going to say he smokes. He lights a cigarette and lifts, lifts up, up, up the, the chair. chair. And then he starts doing some karate. And Fred says, this nigga's crazy. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. I always remember that because he's lifting up the chair and he's. <laughs> right. Right. Because he lifts up the chair. And then he takes out a cigarette with one hand and lights it. It's like, this is a very specific feat of strength. I remember this in the Olympics. Oh, God. Yes. Yes. The point is, everyone should watch Sanford and Son. But that's, that's, that's certainly the number one Roscoe. That is the number one Roscoe. Yeah, absolutely. Six Degrees of Durville Martin, ladies and gentlemen, where I give Vincent two actors and he has six films or less to connect them to Durville Martin. Okay. Superstar of the 70s. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Vincent, do you want to redeem yourself? Because the viewers do not realize you were a bit stumped at the screening. I wasn't stumped. How am I stumped by Tupac? Like, I was trying to bounce around. You were trying to be a little bit too right, cute. Right, but clearly you can get to Tupac pretty fast. You no, know, clearly you get there, but you didn't really, you needed a little bit of help. More than a little bit of help. Because I was trying to be cute. That? You can't be cute. Man. Right, right. Not at the live show. Right, well, what, what do we have? What do we have? I mean, you know, it's not like it was Fatty Arbuckle. Ooh, you can't get to Fatty. I mean, it's Tupac. Of course I can get to Tupac. Go ahead. What we got? Keeping in theme. Okay. Oh, my God. Is it more Roscoe's? <laughs> there are no more Roscoe's. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Good Lord. How many Roscoe's are there? <laughs> is it going to be a Jenkins? It would be funny, though, if I said, if I said, keep it in theme, and it was two Roscoe's, not Roscoe Lee Brown. Like right, what other right, Roscoe right, actor? Right. Because if you linked him to Fatty Arbuckle, you are definitely the, the king of this, bro. But no. I would need your help, but I bet we could. Um, I, I don't think so. Uh, keeping in theme. Okay. We are going to be reviewing Welcome Home, Roscoe Jenkins. Yes. Which stars, among others, mm-hmm. Martin Lawrence. Yes. So here are two other Martins. Oh, okay. What we got? Number one. Number one. In six films or less, mm-hmm. connect Derville Martin to two. Martin Sheen. Martin Sheen. More pop. More commonly known as President Bartlett from the West Wing TV series. Sure, sure, sure. Unless you can't use Martin Sheen. I want to get to Martin Sheen. See, here you can be cute. Right, right here it can be <laughs> cute. I think this will be. Because um, Dead President is probably the, the quickest. But you know, Martin Sheen, you got to use Apocalypse Now. Mm-hmm. You always got to talk about Apocalypse Now when you get an opportunity. Lawrence Fishburne is probably 
You like Apocalypse Now? I love Apocalypse Now. The funny thing, it's not even funny. And this, I think a lot of people are like this. I like the documentary better yeah, than the film uh, itself. Was it Heart of Darkness? Heart of Darkness, yeah. But um, Derville Martin is in Dolomite. Mm-hmm. I think I'm just going to make this. In Dolomite with Rudy Ray Moore. Rudy Ray Moore is in um, The Monkey Hustle mm-hmm. with... Um, Yafit? No, not Yafit. What's her name? Oh, uh, monkey, monkey. we were just talking about Uptown Saturday Night too. Um, it's not Roseanne, is it? No. Um, Roseanne Cash. No, not Roseanne Cash. Uh, what are we talking about? Monkey Hustle. Looking right at her. Monkey Hustle. Yes. Ro- no, not is it Rosalind Cash? Yeah, Rosalind Cash. Rosalind, Rosalind Cash, right. Rosalind Cash. Rosalind Cash is in um Oh my god, what's the mom's Maybelline movie? <laughs> it's in um I see the poster. I see the poster with her on it. Amazing Grace. Thank you. Is an Amazing Grace with Butterfly McQueen. Mm-hmm. Butterfly McQueen is in Gone with the Wind mm-hmm. with Vivian Lee. Oh boy. Vivian Lee is in a streetcar named Desire with Marlon Brando. That's Vivian Lee, isn't it? Isn't that Vivian Lee in a streetcar named Desire? Who plays Blanche? I'm gonna I wanna see. Pretty sure that's Vivian Lee. Hold on. I could be wrong. Uh yeah, you're right. Yeah, I only know I only know Vivian Lee for two movies. Yes. Yeah, and, and then Marlon Brando is, of course, in um Apocalypse Now with Martin Sheen. Very good. There you go. All right. You did it, Vince. Yeah. Yeah. You, how do you feel about Apocalypse Now? I like the documentary. Mm-hmm. Love the documentary. I don't know if I get the movie. What do you mean by you don't get it? I, I guess it, it just doesn't, it just doesn't get me. It, I, I don't, I, I get bored while, while I'm watching the movie. It's long. Yeah, and I guess it's long and and I can see how you know the funny thing about apocalypse now is that most of what would what holds your attention Oliver Stone and 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 other you know all those filmmakers who who in his wake um what's his name that did um Full Metal Jacket Stanley Kubrick yeah Stanley Kubrick and all of them kind of took a lot of what kind of holds you mm-hmm. in apocalypse now and kind of made it sexier, almost. Well, I think they did it a little better. I mean, better is, yeah. Yeah. But, but I can see subjective. that. I can see it. When's the last time you watched it? It's been a minute. Yeah, it's long. Yeah, and I get, the, now I did enjoy the documentary. Yeah. I enjoyed the documentary, but it, the other thing is watching the documentary and then trying to watch the movie. Mm-hmm. Now Marlon Brando's just getting the hell on my nerves. 
Okay. Because he's just such a jerk off. Yeah, but it's it. He's so good in Apocalypse Now. Because yeah. what I was going to say is, I actually sit through Apocalypse Now to get to, to get him. to. I mean, it's a that's a long sit. It's a long sit, but I think it's worth it. But all right, who's our next Martin? All right, next Martin, Vincent. Next Martin. In six films or less, six connect Durbel Martin to Martin Short. Martin Short. We were just talking about Martin Short because we were talking about Bowfinger. Talking about being cute, you get to Martin Short. It's not in Bowfinger. No, no, no. I'm sorry, but Steve Martin is. And when I think about Martin Short, like most of the stuff I think about him in, he's with Steve Martin, Mm -hmm. which, you know, Dick Anthony Williams is in the jerk, so it gets to him immediately. But, um, oh, can I get to Martin Short? With my favorite Martin Short movie. Oh, I'm curious. What is your favorite Martin Short movie? All right, let me get out real fast. So Dervil Martin is in Five on the Black Hand Side with Dick Anthony Williams. Dick Anthony Williams is in Mo Better Blues with Samuel Jackson. Mm-hmm. Samuel Jackson is in... Jackie Brown. Mm-hmm. I could have gone to um, Pam Greer way, but he's in Jackie Brown with Robert De Niro, mm-hmm. who's in Midnight Run with Charles Grodin. Okay. And Charles Grodin is in Clifford with Martin Short. Clifford? Oh, you don't know Clifford? I mean, I know what Clifford is, but... You've never seen Clifford? No, I've never seen Clifford. It's the most bizarre film. Martin Short plays a little boy. Right, right. Y'all didn't hear Dylan laugh. But that like, like, and that's like, that's sort of the hook. Oh, that's not even what I'm thinking Clifford is. No, not Clifford the Big Red Dog. Yeah, I'm thinking it's Clifford the Big Red Dog. Like, he was in that. No, the movie where Martin Short plays the little boy who who destroys Charles Grodin's life. Story of a 10-year-old boy who stays with his uncle while his parents are at a business trip in Honolulu. It is the most bizarre film. Because it's like, it's kind of like Cable Guy, where like it's supposed to be funny, but it ends up being so mean-spirited that it's like... Yeah, it says it's a black comedy. Yeah, it's funny. We were, we were talking about black films that people champion and things. That, like Clifford has this sort of cult following now. And I'm part of the cult. Really? It is the darkest film. Because this kid is basically a terrorist, but he's played by Martin Short. Yeah, and, which and, is... and it's it's so bizarre. And the whole special effects is, is basically Martin Short on his knees with this weird wig on. Yeah, I see it. It's uh oh it's a disturbing little I don't know if I'm recommending it because it really is. Like, like, like blue cheese or one of those, my wife calls them like cave cheeses, like one of those kind of really intense cheeses that like, if you like it, you love it, Mm -hmm. but you understand why people hate it. 
Mm. Oh, I love Clifford. Interesting. And you know, it's Charles Grodin. So, you know, Charles Grodin just anyway, like it is pitch I love myself some, some Charles Grodin. It is pitch black comedy. Hey, all but right. But yeah, Martin Short and Clifford. I'll have to check this out. I have to check. I'm not, I'm not aware of that movie. I'm thinking about the Big Red Dog, which I could see. To be fair, I could see Martin Short being in the Big Red Dog. I want you to like Clifford, but let's be clear. I don't know if you'll like it. Okay. Yeah, I want you to watch it. What's a comp? I don't know what that means. <laughs> What's a movie that you would compare it to? Like in Cable tone? Guy. I like Cable Guy. It's darker than Cable Guy, but. But but yeah, but it's the same. It's that same vein. Okay. It's like if Pee Wee's Big Adventure had a baby with Cable Guy, it would be this. It movie. would be Clifford. It would be Clifford I because it's so bizarre. Okay. But then it's also pitch black. All right. I'm gonna look yeah. it up. All right. Yeah. I'm gonna look it up. It's around. It's around. And like, once you look it up, you you know, it's sort of like you buy a blue car and then you realize everybody has all these blue cars. Like when you if you look it up, like someone wrote a long essay on it a couple of years ago for like Vulture. Really? About this movie, Clifford? It it, it really is. Martin Short and Charles Grodin. It really is this cult classic. Okay, But yeah. But yeah, Martin Short's and Clifford. It's my favorite Martin Short movie. Can't say I have a no. My favorite Martin Short movie is Three Amigos. Three Amigos. Love Three Amigos. Dirty Rat, Dirty Rotten Scoundrels. He's not in Dirty. Not in Dirty Rotten Steve Scoundrels. Martin and Michael Payne. Michael Caine. Why did I think Martin Short was in that? If he is, I don't remember him. Yeah. Maybe he's in a short role, but I like he's not like the star. I like the Father of the Broad movies. You know what? I actually. Tried to watch them, mm-hmm. maybe like over like during the pandemic. Don't age well. Not for me. I can see that. Not for me, and I, and it's not for not wanting to like. You know, I love Steve Lawrence. I mean, Steve Martin. And I knew you. You like the original one better. No, I I don't like the original one. Really, I don't like the original. <laughs> not every. First of all. <laughs> I don't like all black and white movies. I just like that. I just figured you like all them old segregation movies. Well, okay. That hey, is a minute. I got your drink. I thought it was no. just that you just loved. First of all, that's not in The Father of the Bride. I, I just assumed Rochester was in all them old movies. Right. Rochester's not in all of those old movies. And I was a fan of Eddie. Is that Jack Benny, though, in the original? No. Who's in the original? Spencer Tracy. Spencer Tracy. And Elizabeth Taylor. Elizabeth is not a dude. Hey, Mr. Tracy, I got your drink. No. It's nobody. It's not a black. No. Hey, Mr. Tracy, I got your drink. No. Nobody is. No. Come on over here, girl. Let me dress you. Are you finished? It's not like a black maid or nothing in it. It's... Now there is a black maid. <laughs> See? <laughs> and to your point. And I would watch it and shake my head and say, that's a damn shame. Well, to it's your... work at the post office. Well, to your See? point. To your point. When trying to watch that, because that's what happened. It came on mm-hmm. the original mm-hmm. and I said, oh, and I, I sh- I'm sure I had seen it. Mm-hmm. Well, I like, it's certainly been a minute. Sure. Let me turn it on. Hey, this is an old time movie. I'm, I'm Lynn. I like I'm, this stuff. I'm watching it. And the, 
the um the the daughter comes out and she's talking about uh you know she invited her boyfriend over for dinner or sure, whatever sure, whatever sure. and mom's like oh well I guess we'll make it work oh Beulah <laughs> and Beulah come, what you need what you need ma'am comes out he's like mm-hmm. we're going to have I think one more plate for plate for dinner oh, I sure don't know if it's enough pork chops for somebody new <laughs> was that was that. He didn't say that. He just, uh, I sure don't know if it's enough. She pork did chops not say I sure guests. don't know if it's enough pork chops or extra. They guests. don't eat pork chops. They didn't eat pork chops. I think it was chicken. But they did, but I sure don't know if it's enough chicken because I snuck a piece. Was that was that the line? Was that the line? I sure don't know if it's enough chicken because I snuck a piece. Was that was that one of was that the <laughs> line? Was the line? That wasn't the line. Okay, all right, just. just but something about the way Eula, Eula. came out, I don't remember her name but came out mm-hmm. and and just said mm-hmm and then like turned around mm-hmm. I was like I can't watch and she this. was like muttering under her breath I- <laughs> these white folks is just inviting folks in here for extra chicken ain't no extra chicken whoever heard of extra chicken it's always just enough chicken or not enough chicken Never know extra chicken. Was that was that the line? Was that the line deliver? Like under her breath? <laughs> that may have been the subtext. That may have been the, su- may have been the subtext. Subtext. But I believe she said something like, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. <laughs> but I immediately turned it off. I said, <laughs> I said, I can't watch this. I can't. We've had a black president. <laughs> I, I, I don't have to do this. <laughs> I could I couldn't watch it. But then so I said, well, let me try watching the the remake. Right. I feel like, did we talk about this? I don't, know, I don't remember. <laughs> All right, go ahead. So I turned it's on the, so I, the Matrix. So I turned on the remake. Uh-huh. But and and there's uh, there's no black maid in there. Right. But then it's just all this white privilege. So you kind of miss the black maid? Yeah, I was like, you missed the black. Did you miss the black no, maid? No, I didn't miss the black maid. Okay. But the white privilege got on my nerves. Right, right. There's plenty of chicken to go around. Go I, around. I can't watch this. You can't watch this either. <laughs> I stopped. I think I turned on Scarface. <laughs> As one does. <laughs> all right. <laughs> And now it's time for our review of Welcome Home, Roscoe Jenkins. <laughs> we'll be right back with our movie review after we step to these messages. Showtime. America's favorite talk show host is marrying television sweetheart. You're the male Oprah. Ope bro. <laughs> but before they start their new family, he's taking her back home to meet his. This is the only pair of pants you could find in this airport. Colors look fabulous on you. I look like a clown. <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh. It's been a long time, Dr. Stevens. Dad, that's just a stage name. Yeah, I know. Gotcha. Now, he's returning to the place he tried to forget. You got your jewelry? You got your purse? Hollywood, they came to town. What up, cut? Oh, man, look, you got them picnic tablecloth fans. Hey, boo-boo, let me get another picnic basket. Don't you worry about And reuniting with the relatives. I got out of here the first chance I could, and I haven't looked back. He hardly relates to. Take that dog out of my kitchen. Just ain't sanitary. What's wrong with people? Don't make no damn sense. Done good, Sco. Got an outstanding career, beautiful fiance. Don't even matter that you can never beat me or nothing. I beat you. Mama, they're your children. He started it. We're going to take a shower while you sleep on the couch tonight. Sneak up here and see my treat. I thought Nell Carter was dead. Give me a break. You want to see something? You want to look? Oh, hell no. It got my mouth. Where did it go wrong with that boy? This February. Let the games begin. The only thing longer than nine years away from his family. I'm about to strike you out, player. Is one weekend with them. Welcome home, Roscoe Jenkins. You will respect your elders and stop being so damn rude. Say praise the Lord. Welcome home, Roscoe Jenkins, a 2008 comedy starring Martin Lawrence as Roscoe Jenkins. As a child, R.J. Stevens was the awkward brunt of numerous jokes. Now R.J. is a successful talk show host who dispenses advice and encouragement to millions. When his parents ask him to come home for their anniversary, R.J. vows to show everyone how much he has changed. Unfortunately, R.J.'s plans are no match for his Southern relatives. Headlined by Martin Lawrence, Welcome Home Roscoe Jenkins also has a stellar cast, including Monique, Cedric the Entertainer, Mike Epps, Michael Clark Duncan, Joy Bryant, James Earl Jones, and Margaret Avery. Directed and written by Malcolm Lee, this 2008 film was the choice of Lynn Webb. Mm-hmm. Lynn, how would you like to begin our conversation around Welcome Home, Roscoe Jenkins? Well, we've been doing the films of Eddie Murphy and Martin Lawrence mm-hmm. this month. And we were in the year of 1999 for the first couple of weeks when we reviewed Bowfinger and Blue Streak. Mm-hmm. And now we're ending in 2008, a little bit further down the line on their filmographies and their careers with Meet Dave and Welcome Home, Roscoe Jenkins. At this point in Martin Lawrence's career, 2008, he's still a viable star, but his star has lost a little bit of his luster, right? And he hasn't been, you know, the lead on as many, you know, hit movies or movies in, in, in general. Um, at this time, we talked about earlier in the show that he ha- 
suffered a, a bit of a personal setback mm-hmm. in and around this time that he that he was dealing dealing with. This marks a rare opportunity for Martin, though, not only to have his see his name above the title, but be part of an ensemble. Mm-hmm. A decided ensemble when you look at the likes of his comedy brethren that are in this film. You know, Monique, Michael Epps, Cedric the Entertainer, mm-hmm. um, alongside the, the actors of, of James Earl Jones, Margaret Avery, Nicole Ari Parker, mm-hmm. Michael Clark Duncan. So now Martin Lawrence doesn't have to carry the ball all by himself. Mm hmm. In the film, Martin Lawrence can actually kind of sit back and, you know, be the fulcrum upon which everything pit turns in in a film. Mm-hmm. For really the first the the first time with such a a um a such a noteworthy cast of actors around him, mm-hmm. actors and performers. And that is a welcome sight for a lot of people who, like our letter writer earlier, maybe and myself, maybe grown a little bit tired of the Martin Lawrence shtick. Right. That he would, you know, his bag of tricks that he would go to in almost every movie. Mm-hmm. So now he gets to play play that down in this movie where it sees him as, you know, this this star of this talk show, like you you said. And because he's a star of a talk show, he finds his way to being in a relationship with Joy Bryant's character, Bianca, who was a winner of Survivor Series. Mm-hmm. So now these two celebrities are in orbit of one another and about to get married. Um, Martin Lawrence's character, R.J. Stevens, or Roscoe Jenkins Stevens, or has a son that he is raising on his own, who longs for more time with his superstar father um, so much so that he more or less books them to go down to their family reunion because he wants to see his family and he's seeing this way of orchestrating time to be alone with his, with his father and, and Martin Lawrence character Roscoe reluctantly agrees to go down because he has been nine years away from his from his family. Mm-hmm. And you learn is because of some misgivings in in regards to the way that his father raised him mm-hmm. alongside his cousin, played by um Cedric the Entertainer, who came in to move with them after his parents died in, right. in an accident. Going down going back home means that you're going to meet all of your wacky cousins and, and, and family. Mike Epps as the wacky, crazy cousin is, is right in his bag. Yeah. Monique as the gives no F's sister, mm-hmm. uh, who also is, has a special penchant for prisoners and <laughs> conjugal <laughs> visits. Yes. Then there's Michael Clark Duncan, who yes. is the the over muscled big brother. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who has a over muscled clan of himself yeah. of his own and yeah. his wife and his uh two two children. And then you have 
their parents, all of these family, the matriarchs, well, the, the, the matriarch and patriarch are the family, James Earl Jones, Roscoe Jenkins, Roscoe Jenkins Sr. And Margaret Avery mm-hmm. as his beloved wife. And that, along with a whole assortment of characters, they all descend upon this huge home where they're going to have this huge three day, like three, four day family reunion. It's the family reunion of your dreams, ladies and gentlemen. I've never been to a family reunion like this. I've always wanted to go to a family reunion. Like a multi-day one, really? Yeah, I've never been to a multi-day. That's too bad. Maybe it's because we only went down for the day. Maybe. Did you get your t-shirts though? Yes, when we went down for the day. We All right, as long as you got your t-shirt. We got right. you gotta get your t-shirt. You gotta get your t-shirt. Gotta All get right. your t-shirts. All right. We only went down for the day, and All that right. was it. And it was All right. Um So you you see the setup. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You yeah. see the setup. This is familiar territory mm-hmm. that the writer, director, Malcolm D. Lee is setting setting us up for. Sure. Right? This is familiar territory for comedy. And true to form. All of the beats that you are expected mm-hmm. are hit. Yes. Monique uh, does not vibe well with Bianca, the girlfriend mm-hmm. or fiance. Yes. They, they do not get along. She keeps calling her a Bioyo, a Blanca, Biacanca. Yes. Like they did everything but her government. Yes. Right. Um, mom misses her son, misses her, and just w- wish she w- he would come home more. There's a tension between Roscoe, the two Roscoes, Junior and Senior. Mm-hmm. Um, the son, the the son, he doesn't get enough time, so he's like, eh, Dad, you know, I want to be with you, Dad. I want to be with you. Cousin played by Cedric the Entertainer, they have a huge rivalry that stems back from their childhood mm-hmm. where Cedric would beat Roscoe at every game possible, including time with the girl that they all wanted, played by Nicole Ari Parker. Yeah. Who, of course, now is hanging with Cedric the Entertainer because we're not. She not calls let him the a belief. familiar face. Right. The familiar yeah. face. And mm-hmm. sure, I'd love to go see your family. Sure. I love them as well. So all the beats are hit. Some of them, you even have the beats of, you know, the family dog is this huge Labrador retriever. Mm-hmm. And of course, uh, Bianca has a toy dog. And you know where that's you going. You know where that's going. Yeah. And it goes there. Yeah. Four times yeah. in this movie, yeah. Um, so all the everything that you're you're expecting it, it, to be hit is hit. Mm-hmm. So you're just so what you're really looking for is just okay. If you're not going to give us any type of twist, then at least be funny when you hit these familiar beats. Yes. And your mileage may vary, ladies and gentlemen, but for me. Mm-hmm. I did not find very much of this film funny at all. Oh. In fact, the only parts of this movie that I found remotely funny is because you've got comedians, is because you got quick-witted comedians mm-hmm. such as Monique and Mike Epps. Yes. There are scenes where it is quite evident yeah. that they are improving. Yeah. And Michael D. Lee just left the 
camera go yeah. and just let them riff. Yeah. And more often than not, it's when scenes where the two of them are with each other. Yeah. That they're just riffing back and forth. You can literally see Monique yeah. trying to stifle yeah. laughing while mm-hmm. she's delivering her mm-hmm. lines. Those moments are funny. Mm-hmm. But those moments are few and far between in this film mm-hmm. for me. Mm-hmm. Martin Lawrence as the lead supposed to be kind of like that fulcrum. Yeah. And this is the opportunity for Martin Lawrence to really get his Eddie Murphy on. Mm-hmm. Eddie Murphy, who we know can be the life of his life of this uh the party and can definitely lead this film in his sleep. But like we talked about in um coming to America, mm-hmm. and like we talked about in Boomerang, when Eddie Murphy has to kind of like dial it back and just kind of like maybe be the straight man mm-hmm. for a minute, he can do it. And he, he can do it well. Mm-hmm. Martin Lawrence cannot be a straight man. He can never be a straight man. He reminds me to that degree of Flip Wilson. Interesting. Flip Wilson. And I liked Flip Wilson. Sure. But there's a reason why Flip Wilson never became like a super movie star. Mm -hmm. And there's a reason why as good as his show was, because it was a number one show back Mm -hmm. in the 70s. It doesn't you know, register as this heralded moment in sketch time mm-hmm. because Steve Flip Wilson can never be the straight man. Mm-hmm. Never. And Martin Lawrence can never be the straight man. It just doesn't, it doesn't play to, um, to be fair though, he's not helped by the very pedestrian script mm-hmm. that Malcolm D Lee has, it's written. This script sounds like a first pass. Like I can almost, except for the moments where Monique and Mike Epps are riffing, mm-hmm. you could almost see every joke coming to the degree that you knew the exact line that was going to be said. Mm-hmm. Like she's so fat because she's fat. Like it was that obvious mm-hmm. type of jokes that were being set up in this in this movie, and. Because of that, that script not helping. Now, these the most of the, the comedians, they've gotten maybe a little bit of riffing. Cedric gets some some riffing in. Mike yeah. Mike Epps, I think Mike Epps rewrote his whole his whole dialogue, yeah. Yeah. and because he is mostly funny in the movie, right? He does say, he says one funny line that I had to had to write. Oh, talking to um, Bianca. Mm-hmm. He's because who's like you know like this real like made up chick with a you know very Hollywoodish mm-hmm. you know even though she's just so you know a person who won Survivor sure but she's gone full Hollywood and my kept said heard something when they getting into it like girl I'd smack the cover girl off your face <laughs> <laughs> I, I laughed at that line right, right I did laugh at that line um but nothing else. I laughed at mm-hmm. and despite the fact that Malcolm D Lee made sure that every scene where there was supposed to be a, where he wanted there to be a laugh, you were told that not by the script, but by a music stinger that was playing in there that kind of let you know, right. This what, is where you laugh. This is where you laugh, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. Um, yeah. 
And it just it just didn't work work for me. The make James Earl Jones, Margaret Avery are given pretty much nothing to do in this movie. Sure. Um, and if you look at James Earl Jones and Margaret Avery in this film, written and directed by a black man, which means that I would expect that possibly the casting, he had a hand in the casting. Sure. There is no chromosome in the world where James Earl Jones and Margaret Avery give birth to Michael Clark Duncan, Monique, and Martin Lawrence. Mm. That does it does that math don't math at all. My, uh, Michael Clark Duncan, he he is he's cast right for because he's supposed to be this big muscular role. Yes, but it's the role that was built for Terry Crews, not not Michael Clark Duncan. Because mm-hmm. while he's not given much comedy to do, what comedy he is given to do, he doesn't get over because that's just not his his strong suit. It's just not his strong suit. Cedric the Entertainer. He's another guy who stick never. I I just wears thin on me, and it wore thin on me in this in this film. So at the end of the day, I know that there are people that enjoy Welcome Home, Roscoe Jenkins. Mm-hmm. I'm just not one of them. Sure, sure, I am. I am. I I I I'm, I'm going to say I really enjoyed this film. Okay. I think. Um, I'll start where where you and I agree. I I think the real strength of this film is these three chaotic elements that kind of bounce through. And that would be Mike Epps, Mm -hmm. Monique, and Cedric the Entertainer. Now, I I 100% agree with you that not only were Mike Epps and Monique riffing and trying to like I think by the end the two of them were actually trying to make each other break oh yeah oh yeah because there's a moment towards the end where I don't think Malcolm Lee does any great direction Mm -hmm. but I think the way he plays cat and mouse Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. with these two talking about yep trying not to catch them laughing was great Mm mm-hmm Cedric the Entertainer, here's here's what I like about this Cedric the Entertainer role. I think that there's always a bit of subversion in the Cedric the Entertainer kind of charming, kind of, you know, oh, I'm, you know, said he said. Mm. Like there's very much a girl where's my hug Mm -hmm. energy to Cedric the Entertainer. Yeah, yeah. Which I think is part of his persona. Hmm. And that's, that runs throughout this film, like right under the surface, there's something a little skeevy and, and it's not sharp at all, but I do think it's in the script that, that he is on unsettled ground because of his parents' death. So, Oh my so I actually liked that's a bit Cedric. Of, I mean, I'm sure it. it go ahead. I, I don't think it is at all. It's right there. Like they actually say it in the script. Okay. okay. So, um, I agree with you. Margaret Avery, James Earl Jones, 
might as well have, you know, they had to get some old black people to, exactly. to, to put in there. And, and, you know, God knows I love Malcolm Lee, but they're like, you can tell oftentimes there are aspects of Malcolm Lee's films mm-hmm. where he gets access to certain actors and, and, and certain attributes that I, I feel like people's managers didn't tell them that this is Malcolm Lee, not Spike <laughs> Lee. <laughs> Like they think it's his cousin and they end up here. And and again, I like Malcolm Lee, but there are like, you look at, you know, films like this or undercover brother. And, and it's like, how did Malcolm Lee get fill in the blank is like, Oh, mm-hmm. I, somebody thought it was, they just heard Lee. Yeah. I think joy Bryant is a good sport throughout this a film. good sport. She's a good sport. I, I'm a big fan of joy Bryant generally. Um, I can't think off the top of my head opportunities where Joe Joy Bryant got to be a little funny, got to be stretched a little bit. It's it's funny. You're talking about people in different roles. Mm-hmm. This, it, you know, I'm just, you know, I'm, I guess I'm just going to keep bringing her up even when she's not in the movie. And you know what I'm about to say? This felt like a Gabrielle Union role, mm-hmm. which this is the role Gabrielle Union played in top five mm-hmm. where she plays this exact same role. Martin Lawrence, I, I think Martin Lawrence seems tired in this role. Like, 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 like I think his energy was low. Okay. In okay. this, in this role. But the irony is low energy. Martin is just enough Martin for me. Okay. Like, like I agree hanging this on him, I think is not something that came naturally, Mm -hmm. but low energy, Martin, you, you know, it kind of worked for me. And, and when you do have the, you, you know, there are one or two moments where he goes broad like, like, like the, you, you know, one of the ongoing plot points is that he and his cousin played by Cedric, the entertainer had this race when they were young men yeah. and, and they recreate the race mm-hmm. and it's manic and it's broad, but this is a moment that's supposed to it's be supposed manic to be. Yeah. and broad. And I liked he and Cedric together in that moment. To a certain degree, the two of them have a fist fight that breaks out over a dice game that I thought talking about um, moments where I thought the direction lacked. It went too long, mm-hmm. like the scene went too long, which if I do have a critique of Malcolm Lee's direction, that is my general critique. Things went too long. They go too long. Yeah. There's absolutely no reason on earth this film should have been almost two hours. Nope. Like there's really just not enough story in there. I also agree that this is a Terry Crews role that Michael Clark Duncan is in. But I think Michael Clark Duncan is funny. Hmm. Michael Clark Duncan is part of, without hyperbole, one of the funniest moments I've ever seen in my life in Anchorman. No, in Talladega Nights. Okay. So I actually liked big Michael Clark Duncan. I'm not saying he's not funny. to bring in Mike Epps. 
Mike, you're talking about Mike Epps and Monique. Mike Epps and Michael Clark Duncan was funny to me where he's where he, where he kind of makes fun of Michael Clark Duncan and he makes fun of his voice and his physicality. And, you know, I thought you was Uncle Ben. Like, <laughs> you know, Nicole Ari Parker might as well, you know, we needed somebody pretty. Yeah. Which is a shame because I like Nicole Ari Parker. And you're right. You, you know exactly what this film is going to do every single, there's never a moment that surprises you, but I don't know. I kind of gave into it. Like I kind of gave into it. I gave into the spirit of it. Mm. Um, God knows between Mike Epps, Monique and, and I, like I said, I enjoyed Cedric between the three of them. It was enough to get me through, you, you know, it's, it's, it, it, it's a family movie. Like, you know, as you said, we've seen at least four or five versions of this, in, including, you know, Johnson family vacation, mm-hmm. which is another version of this with Cedric, the entertainer. I think this is better than that. Well, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I liked it. Here's the, the other thing that this film did for me that was unforgivable. Okay, and even though it, even though it is a a beat that you see coming, and that is, I mentioned how there is the tension between Roscoe and his son. His son find doesn't you know feel that he's connecting with his father, not mm-hmm. spending the time with his father. So, in the midst of this big, you know, recreation of the obstacle course and the race between the two cousins, um, the, the all the kids. You know, everybody else is still part of the the race as well. Mm-hmm. And there's a moment where it gets to gets to the wall because this is literally like like you know an obstacle course, and they've got to climb climb up the wall. And Roscoe's son can't make it. Right, and he's calling out to his like, Dad, can you help me? Help me! And Ros- Roscoe gets down to help his son. But then he he is chided by Cedric's character and lets his son drop. Yes. And continues on on his own. And goes on to win win the race. Mm-hmm. Now, everybody gets on him about what he did to his son. Yeah. At the end. It is a it is a heartbreaking moment mm-hmm. in this film. But and to be fair, perhaps as I watched every inch of this movie, I missed it. This movie does not give a moment where he addresses that moment with his son. No, it doesn't. It gives and it gives a little bit of a hero moment at the end. Spoiler sure. for a uh, you know sixteen year old movie. That you know the plot immediately. You, you know the plot the immediately. Yeah. Like yeah. The, when he breaks up with Bianca, yeah. you know, and, and the son is like, yeah, yeah, step. You know what I mean? So there's that little, little moment, but there's no moment as they go back to the, to the family reunion, mm-hmm. as he says all of these kind words to everybody else in his family. Mm-hmm. And as we knew from the beginning, uh, gets his dance with Nicole Ari Parker. Mm-hmm. There is at no moment where you see him address 
what he did with his son. And the reason why that is unforgivable to me is because the movie really starts off. The first tension is you see is between him and his son. Yeah. That's how the movie leads. Yeah. So if nothing else, you're thinking that the movie is going to be, there should be a through line at least about that. Sure. And while it is touched on, it is for most parts of the movie, totally forgotten. I was about to say, I think you're you're talking about this being a first or second draft. If there was a third or fourth draft, one of the changes I would have made is to drop that story is to drop the sun completely. Right. Like the whole, the whole subplot. It's not even a subplot. The whole plot detail with the sun is so unnecessary. Mm hmm. Like there's plenty of story to explore without the sun. I know, I know. that that to your point. You, you're, you're talking about that's an unforgivable moment with the sun. I think the entire film, the way it treats the sun. Well, yeah, that's is, what I said. You is, totally forgot it. Forget about it. Right. Or he just becomes like this also like, yeah, go with your cousins, you know? Right. And they don't really pay. Even that isn't developed. Not at all. Like, like if the, if the film is championing family and, 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 you know, you got to come and, and be film, like you think there's going to be some payoff where the cousins Mm -hmm. now are a unit. That never happens. Never, never happens. Yeah. I think the son is the weakest part of the whole film. Right. Yeah. Through no fault of the son. It's it's just a failure of the writing. Yeah, absolutely. But but again, the reason why I don't forgive it is because, like I said, it's the first real setup that you you have in the film. It is the impetus for him going down to the the reunion. But but even that, just to continue down that, as you said, it's the first real setup. But. It's told. It's not shown. Right. That is true. That is like true. you never actually like 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 there's this whole little bit about the son has this relationship with the grandfather with his grandfather played by James Earl Jones. That you never really see. Yeah, you just see, hey, I'm going to go play catch with my grandson. You, you know, even when Roscoe is guilted to go down there. The guilt is only tangentially connected to the son. I know. Like there's more urgency to the fact that he sent home this expensive television that hasn't that been no, touched. That hasn't been touched more so than than the son. I know. I know. Yeah. So I agree with you, but I'd actually pull back and say what's unforgivable is the way that the son is treated in this script. But that's still but that still doesn't color your enjoyment of the film. Well, because frankly, the son is forgettable. Wow. Like there's not a scene in here with his son that, that, that stuck with me as I'm talking about it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, like, as you said, you, you know, he, he, he doesn't help his son over and, and it's a real heartbreaking and kind of nasty moment. Yeah. But this isn't that film. That, you know, speaking of something like Clifford, mm-hmm. where, where, you know, it has this kind of, you know, kind of beautiful, nasty, t- nastiness to it. Like, you know, 
this isn't like, like like the film that that really is going to utilize that beat. Roscoe ends up married to Joy Bryant. Mm -hmm. And, you know, maybe there's there's him kind of, you, you know, a, a look of regret if, the, you know, if it's a better actor than Martin Lawrence. Right. But, you know, it's not this film. I mean, hell, I feel like the force of the plot pushed him together with Nicole Airy Parker's character because she has a nice little moment where she talks about what she thought her life was going to be mm -hmm. and what it ended up being, you know, oh, student loans and I don't even want kids where there's an, a hint that this character is going to be a character right? and not just a MacGuffin that these two care, you know, these two men, Cedric the Entertainer and Martin Lawrence's character are fighting over. Right. And every now and then they give you a hint that she there's that, something more and that she's aware that these two are basically they say it in the film, having a, a dick measuring contest using her as the prize. Mm -hmm. Like you kind of hope that the film ends with her saying, I'm, I'm, I'm not an object to be fought over. I don't want to be with either one of you. But it's not that film. No, not at all. It's not that film. And and which is fair if it doesn't is, want to be the film. Which is fair if it doesn't want to be But then you've got to do be better. The film that you are, you gotta be it's, doing and, better. And you can't pretend to be something else. To try. You, yeah. Like you can't make these gestures yeah. towards yeah. something else. But yeah, I, I, I do. I think the 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 pros outweigh the cons. I think even when the film went off, I thought the pros outweighed the cons. And then I laughed throughout the entire credits. Oh, okay. Yes. There's, there's a bit where Roscoe brings his family to his talk show. And now he's interviewing them. Interviewing them, including Michael Clark Duncan. Yes. Michael Clark Duncan, Monique, and Mike Epps. I, la I watched the credits until they went off, mm -hmm. hoping that something would come back on with one of them so that, you know, in a lot of ways, the, the end credits were like the, 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 the frosting on top mm. that, you know, I was, you know, I was already like, you know, I like this. And then, you know, them. So yeah, I did. I, I enjoyed it. I think this is, well, you go talking about a, a fairly low bar. This is my favorite Martin Lawrence film. Oh, it's not my favorite Martin Lawrence. What do you like better than this? Life. Life is not a Martin Lawrence film. Oh, he's in it. I mean, he's okay, in a okay, lot of okay, movies. Okay, but to be fair. I mean, in fair, that case, is Do the, the Right Thing is my favorite Martin Lawrence is film. Is this a Martin Lawrence film or is it an ensemble? I think his his name is above above the title. I think he is the first among equals. To be fair, let's let's look at the poster. I mean, if you, I just look, at, make, you look at the posters, you, you look at the trailer. This is a Martin Lawrence film. Welcome home, Roscoe Jenkins. His name is above the title. Yeah, yeah. This is this is a Martin Lawrence film. Okay. Now it's a backhanded compliment that my favorite Martin Lawrence film is damn near an ensemble. Yeah, yeah. It's it's it's, it's yeah. It is an ensemble. Yeah. But um. Okay. Fair enough. Well. But the question is, would you recommend Welcome Home, Roscoe Jenkins? Uh. Hey, don't feel peer pressured. 
Say it with your chest. Because there's a part of me that wants to say, like, this is the great cookout movie. Someone in the kitchen while everybody's cooking. Mm-hmm. Everybody's, you know, you catch something funny. Monique says something stupid. Mike Epps says something crazy. You know what I mean? Uh, he comes out in this cowboy outfit. <laughs> and, you know, you're, you're laughing. So, so there's a part of me that wants to say that. <laughs> I really, really You don't have to. I can't. Okay. I can't recommend Welcome Home, Roscoe Jenkins. I won't be mad if you watch it. Okay. God bless, but I I'm I won't I won't recommend that you do. Sure. Sure. But go ahead if you want to. Right. I recommend it. Well, of course. I I, I recommend it. I I think I think I'm not gonna say this is my favorite Mike Epps performance, but Mike Epps the comedian. This might be in my top three Mike Epps performances. Like I like Mike Epps better in this than I do either of the Friday sequels, yeah, which is probably his most high profile mm-hmm. comedic performance. Mm-hmm. Um, I really like Monique in this. I really like Monique in this. I wanna, yeah, just trying, um, trying very hard. She is, she is, and and she's the closest to the cast in my mind that is over the top mm-hmm. but it like like she works for me see joy bryant works for me in the movie i really like joy bryant i really like joy bryant and i liked martin you know what it is i got martin lawrence in this film like the like them saying that martin lawrence was this kind of dr phil mm-hmm esque Steve Harvey Steve Harvey talk show host Mm -hmm. rang true to me like I saw Roscoe Jenkins as someone who was actually charismatic like one thing that I you know along those lines at, at, at the end you know of course he comes and he makes amends and he kind of gives a speech but I like the fact that when he gave his speech the scene was shot like it was it was him on his talk show. Yeah, because now he was in his element. He was he was in his element. He was very comfortable. Mm-hmm. And again, I believed it. Okay. I believed it. And 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 oftentimes I have not believed Martin Lawrence as the fill in the blank mm-hmm. in this mm-hmm. film. Um we just mentioned top five. I've never believed Chris Rock no. in any role that he's in that he's not Chris Rock. When he's the lead. When he's the lead. So that was, you know, I liked Martin Lawrence. He, he, I thought he was, whether it's low energy, whether it, it was him just getting a little older, it was refreshing to see Martin Lawrence in a space where he wasn't trying to out mug, out out Landishy, out Martin, mm-hmm. everyone. Which, mm-hmm. as we've we've talked about, it doesn't it does not happen that often in his film career when he is out front. You know, he's all. You know, I think I, I think the thing about life 
and bad boys. You know, frankly, I think he defers to Eddie Murphy. Yeah. And I think with Will Smith in the bad boys films. They are equal, but they're in different lanes. Yes. So that works. But besides that, this is the only film that I can think of with him with other comedians Mm -hmm. that he, I mean, we talked about it in blue streak. The best part of blue streak are the moments with him and Dave Chappelle. That's right. Where, as you said, they match energy. Mm -hmm. So yeah, yeah, I do. I recommend welcome home. Roscoe Jenkins. It's interesting that in those two movies, well, the, the bad boy series and the, and in life, those are the films where he, like you said, in a different lane as his co-star by you know, on purpose, he is a little bit more dialed down, mm-hmm. not as mugging mm-hmm. and actually creating a character. Right. And I think there was a, the, the missed opportunity of this film is that, is that you, you hit on it when he is at the end addressing them at the family reunion, he's got the mic and he's in his element. He's in his world and he's, He's doing the thing where he found that he can be the winner. Right. The man. Right. And if the script was sharper, the script was sharper, it would have played on that yes. because that, especially as a, as a talk show host, because that's a lot of talk show hosts, mm-hmm. you know, off the mic, their personality, it, it's non-existent mm-hmm. or it's something totally different. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And I think it could have played with that. It, it that calls for two, three, four more passes on the script. Yes. You know, and it could still be a comedy. It could still be set in this world. This world will be the perfect uh, setting to examine that type of thing. Sure. And and thus, like you said, getting rid of the sun gives you oh, the oh, space. Opens up some space. To really yeah. get there. You know what I mean? Um, so, yeah. Missed opportunity. With Welcome Home. Roscoe Jenkins. Right. But if you want to talk about opportunities, ladies and gentlemen, wait till you hear what Vince cooked up for next week <laughs> and all month long during Black History Month here on the Show Mission. That's right. Before we get to that, I invite you, if you got any feedback to our review of Roscoe Jenkins or anything that you want to get off your, your chest, write us an email. Email us at mission at gmail.com. That's M-I-C-H-E-A-U-X-M-I-S-S-I-O-N at gmail.com. You can also follow the Michelle Mission on the social media of your choice, whether it be Instagram, Facebook, or X at Mission. And if you want to check out the show live, you can subscribe to YouTube at Mission, where we will let you know when we're going live every Tuesday at 7 p.m. streaming live from Young Junk, Philadelphia's premier video podcast palace. Hit up our boy Dylan at youngjunk.com. That's D-Y-L-A-N at youngjunk.com to book your time in one of the fabulous studios that they have here in Manny Young, PA. There are studios all over and, and I'm telling you, you need to hook up Dylan if you've been sitting there on your hands like... Yeah, I got to call Dylan so I can book my time. Hurry up, because we just did an update with Dylan. I think they got something like about 10 or 20 shows that are going in and out of here at Young Junk at this time. And, you know, 
they're doing their best, Vincent, to keep people off our sets. I'm just letting you know. They 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 they're slowly running out of room, but Dylan is like, you know, he's like, no, we can't have this. It looks so nice. No. Dylan's holding the line. He's holding the line. He's holding hold the door. That's what he do. That's what he do. That's our Dylan. But trust me, the other studios are Dylan at youngjunk.com. The Michelle Mission is also a proud member of the Podglomerate, thepodglomerate.com. They make podcasts work such as ours. All right. All right. Next week. Next week. We kick off not only Black History Month, Mm -hmm. but we begin the road to 400. Does this begin the March? In February? It begins in February. The well, March I mean, begins in February. I'd pick something different if I knew the March was. Well, start. no, no, no. I wanted you to be in your your right sane mind when you developed this theme. Yeah. For Black History Black Month. Black History Month. Our theme for Black History Month, usually we do Westerns. Westerns. Usually do Westerns. Every once in a while we've dipped into the world of romance. Mm-hmm. But no, 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 not this year. Not on the road to 400, baby. Not the road to 400. Because we're going to give you something totally different. We're going to stretch a little bit. We're going to stretch because for the Black History Month, we are asking a question. Mm-hmm. What is a black film? Right, right. For Black History Month, we are going to examine the parameters of black Exactly. You know, what are the boundaries? Mm -hmm. Where are we at? We're going to examine the walls. Yes. We're going to lean on those walls. Right. Starting next week with 1990s King of New York. King of New York. Starring Chris, Christopher Walt. Walken. Christopher Walken. Christopher Walken. I can't even get it out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is the star. Is the star. Of King of New York. He's very much the star. In every scene. He's in every scene. But it's also every single solitary black actor who was working in New York. <laughs> True. In 90, what year was this? 1990. In 1990. So they went and, and just got the in, like just the entire cast of School Days. Yes. The entire cast of what else, of like the color purple, the like boys in the hood, all the right. So it's Christopher Walken and every single solitary black actor in New York standing behind him, be standing behind like him. him and King of New York because he is the said king. He is the king of New York. Yes. As we kick off, what is a black film? What do we, or Black History or Month. As we talk about people, is that is this a black is film? Is this a black film? Well, we go ask. And we'll start with the king of New York. And it's just getting started. <laughs> Next week, here on the Michelle Mission. Until then, I'm Lillian. It's Vincent. And in parting, we say. We'll see you when it's time to meet again. The Michelle Mission is produced by Len Webb and Vincent Williams with co-production by Mo Poplar. Check out Mo's family travel podcast, Bon Amigos, at ashyfeet.com. Original music is provided by Alexa Gold. Visit Alexa Gold Music at Bandcamp for more of her melodies. The Michelle Mission is edited by Len Webb and produced for YouTube 
at Yunk Junk. Visit Dylan at YunkJunk.com for more information.